and welcome to Risk Chats with a Firm. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're speaking with Liz Sullivan from WMATA, or the Metro as we here in D.C. call it. And uh, we're going to be talking about all those risks uh, that they deal with there within their program. And we've also got Mr. Bert Nuring here from Crow to uh, help moderate the uh, discussion here. So this is a good one and uh, a nice example of a state local type of uh, governmental function with an ERM program. So without further ado, let's talk with Bert and Liz. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today another exciting Affirm podcast, and we've brought back uh, Mr. Bert Nuring, one of our return guests. Uh, but we also have with us today Liz Sullivan, and she's from the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, or uh, what we call WMATA or the Metro, right? So, uh, good afternoon. How are you all doing today? We're doing well. Yeah, doing fine, Paul. Thank you. Great. All right. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you both a chance to just introduce yourselves to the audience, and then I'm going to let Bert kind of take the lead on some questions, and I'll jump in here, and then uh, we'll go from there. So why don't we just start off, maybe, um, Bert, introduce yourself, and then Liz, and then you can go ahead and get into it. So go ahead. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, Paul. Uh, my name is Bert Nearing. I'm a partner with Pro, and I uh, have been working in the enterprise risk management space for many years, and uh so uh, it's, uh, I'm delighted to be here today to talk a little bit more about a specific uh, example at uh, WMATA. All right. So I am Elizabeth Sullivan. I certainly do uh, go by Liz. Uh, I am the Vice President, Chief Risk and Audit Officer with uh, WMATA. And uh, within my organization, Management Audits, Risk and Compliance, we have our ERM program as well as our internal audit function. So I am glad to be here. It's a pleasure to be here with you. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we'll start off with uh, with a few questions. And uh, first, uh, Liz, with regards to uh, WMATA's uh, approach to uh, ERM, how did WMATA approach uh, the implementation of ERM? Oh, that's a good question. So, so Bert, we actually started our uh, enterprise risk management journey uh, or the concept of introducing ERM uh, back in 2014 with our collaborative risk management program. Uh, but we became we we formalized our enterprise risk management implementation in 2017. Um, shortly after uh, a reorganization uh, allowed my department to formally take on the facilitator role for ERM. Uh, so to come up with that right approach and how we would implement ERM here at Metro, we had to go back to the basics, right? Uh, in that, we had to think about what ERM meant uh, for us, uh, for me, for the team, for those that supported us what ERM meant for the organization. And what that did was it took us back to the definition of ERM and its benefits. So as we all know, ERM is about accomplishing an organization's objectives. So the very nature uh, of ERM is rooted in that premise that every organization, uh, whether we are governmental, for-profit or not-for-profit, we will face risk in pursuit of our of value uh, in a well-defined or designed rather um, uh, an effective enterprise approach to uh, addressing this broad range of risks that we have, internal and external, through an ERM program to provide that reasonable expectation that our organization's objectives will be achieved. So we had to have that in focus as we developed our approach to implementation. We came up with an implementation strategy, uh, and that, of course, included a plan. 
Uh, we needed to understand what success looked like uh, for us and, of course, how to get there. Um, and, and as I mentioned earlier, I have that dual role. So to me, being the chief risk and audit officer, I knew that as part of our implementation, I had to think about, you know, ownership of risk and things of that nature. So I knew I could not own risk, I could not manage risk, nor could I give the appearance of same. So part of the implementa implementation strategy was to embrace, for me, that role of a facilitator and an educator uh, as part of this uh, implementation and approach for us. Uh, and that role was even acknowledged in our internal audit charter since the internal audit function reports to me. So what we did was we came up with these five general principles that guided uh, the development of our uh, ERM program and the framework. And these principles, I must say, uh, continue to guide the program today as it evolved um, over time. Um, I mean, I can share some of those principles, uh, Bert, um, in terms of yeah, right, great. some of the things that guided us, right? Um, one of them, I would say, was the fact that we thought about integrating ERM with um, existing practices to support the vision and the strategic goal. So what I mean by that is for us, we thought uh, to best position the organization uh, for positive impact and contribute to efficiency, the ERM solutions that we bring about through our, our process implementing this program uh, were to be embedded where feasible uh, within the organization's existing infrastructure and processes and capabilities. So, for example, at that time, when we started on this journey, we knew that we had current and emerging risk management practices that existed, right, with different focus areas within the organization. For example, uh, at the time with our safety uh, risk, we had our hazard management system, uh, which, of course, has now evolved into a more uh, robust safety management system, or SMS. Um, we also knew at the time, back then, we had um, existing practices around some major capital projects uh, that required a formal risk assessment uh, because uh, they were federally funded. We knew those things existed. So part of our, our strategy with uh, implementing ERM was to integrate where possible. So we meant that uh, we knew that integrating ERM meant for us that we needed to build on practices that already existed at the time. We had in mind what the future state would be. So implementing risk management framework, for example, needed to include or provide rather these opportunities to develop a common language that's you know understood by all systems and practices and tools that would help gather, evaluate, and report on risk management in its entirety. Um, and we knew that the solutions we developed through our in implementation would uh, not necessarily replace existing practices, but instead will contribute to more of a uh, repeatable, visible, and consistent approach to enterprise risk management. Um, so we had other principles that we considered, right? We also thought about, you know, transparency, the, the, the core values of transparency, accountability, and shared information. When we think about shared information, when we uh, engage with our program officers, we always use this famous quote, like, you can't manage your secrets, so, right? One of the things we, uh, we baked into the ERM implementation and the program was to make sure that it, that framework included and its related practices um, included an opportunity to share information um, and expectation that certainly helped because we want people to make risk-informed decisions. It certainly helped to make that uh, easier to accomplish. Um, so there were other principles. Um, don't want to uh, go into every single one except you want to hear more about that. Um, but certainly we, we thought about things like uh, looking for opportunities to enable continue, continuous improvements, uh, 
opportunities to escalate risk concerns. That was another thing we wanted to see apparent in that implementation. So that was uh, clearly in front of us. Uh, another thing focused on creating, preserving, and sustaining value. So for us, the value uh, that we're talking about here is tied into our mission to provide safe, reliable, equitable, and affordable transit services. So we have to have that in focus as we approach ERM implementation because the structures we built had to support that in its, uh, its in, in all sense. Uh, we also thought about another principle to enable a strong risk-aware culture and breaking down organizational silos. Um, and of course, when we're talking about developing a strong risk-aware culture uh, for the ERM program, this includes the full range of risk uh, for Metro, uh, which includes safety risk, right, as a clear priority, but certainly the full range uh, of risk for the organization. So uh, in thinking about our approach and, and how we implemented ERM we, we, to support a risk-aware culture, we knew that whatever we put in place had to in, uh, also incorporate training and awareness campaigns. So that was readily baked into the implementation plan. Uh, I would say even now, training remains a natural part of the program and will certainly be a continuous effort for us. Um, so with all of that, we came up with a multi-year phase plan with five phases. Uh, the five phases had a series of things. Our, our foundational phase uh, was to bring some of our governance documents and, and um, structures together. So we developed and proposed an ERM framework. We drafted a policy, uh, drafted uh, governance uh, documents like charters and things of that nature. Uh, second phase, we started to build out with categories, which we continue to refine. Uh, we engaged with executive leadership, uh, discussed risks uh, at the entity level, which are those risks that, you know, have the most pervasive impact on the accomplishment of objectives. Uh, we worked through a series of things there, multiple tasks along these different phases. Phase three was where we started to implement the systematic and consistent process for identifying uh, risk and assessing risk and prioritizing risk in order to uh, uh, select the most appropriate response. Um, we did other things there. Uh, phase four ran parallel in a lot of cases with phase three. Some of the tasks in the different phases ran parallel. Um, but phase four, we went into a lot of education and we had workshops where participants were, as part of the risk workshops, provided um, education and information about risk. So we were, had opportunities for that. And our phase five, I'm just trying to generalize in a lot of cases here, but phase five was where we had activities that were geared towards sustainability. Now, I, I'll say that sustainability was built throughout all the implementation phases. But certainly uh, some of the things we did in phase five was to help us um, sustain the program. And, and that's really where we also uh, tried to optimize uh, the ERM program. So having that plan for continuous improvement was certainly uh, something that helped us out there. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, certainly a lot there and, uh, you know, really uh, helpful to kind of understand the methodical approach that you took to, uh, to the implementation. Uh, you talked, um, you know, uh, with regards to the training and awareness, and I'm I'm sure that that, is, you know, continues. But what other activities are undertaken to support your ERM program uh, regularly today? So the ERM program, of course, in itself, 
established the standards and processes and procedures and even tools that help us to identify stuff, respond to, and monitor through our full range of risks. So one of the key activities that supports the program today is that formal risk assessment uh, that we take on. Uh, this is one of the key activities that supports us. Uh, we, uh, the ERM program requires um, uh, that we complete a formal assessment to identify risk at least annually uh, or as needed or in response to a specific change. So uh, at least uh, we, we, we definitely have a formal process to do that. Uh, there are other informal opportunities, obviously, but just thinking about that, that key component. Uh, during these assessment sessions, which they're typically held in the form of a facilitated uh, workshops with cross-functional groups uh, where we are able to consider emerging risks, uh, known risks in a formal setting as part of the ERM program. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you know that there are other uh, activities in the organization that support the formal identification, assessment, mitigation, and monitoring of uh, specific risks, um, like our safety risk management um, process as part of our uh, safety management system led by the chief safety officer. Um, others like that exist, of course, but this ERM program process of conducting the risk assessment, the systematic and consistent process that we take on is certainly key to our process through the ERM program. Um, we, we look at risks at three different levels as part of this um, process. We look at them at our entity level. Uh, we look at them at our process level. And when we say process level, uh, these are those risks that emanate from our business processes, which are a collection of related and structured activities or actions um, that support the achievement of core business objectives. These are typically defined at the department and office levels or program levels. Uh, so that's where we engage with our individual departments and offices uh, for their unique uh, risk consideration as they think about their contribution to the overarching um, Metro's mission. Um, and then of course we have our the other lens that we use uh, in addition to the entity level and the process level it's also the specific focus area of risk assessment. Uh, that's where we look at risk from a special focus activity, uh, considering um, potential exposure or things that may ascend to special focus, uh, specific concerns. Um, it may also be event-driven, for example, a COVID-specific risk assessment because of uh, that issue. Uh, that's where things like Broad risk assessment, project risk assessments, vendor risk assessments, those things that are very focused and specialized, uh, formalized activities will fit. Those are the three general uh, lenses we use for our risk assessment program. Certainly, that activity is key to the ERM program. Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's very good. And, and I think I like the approach of, uh, you know, really breaking that down and breaking down those risks and doing it annually or as, as needed. And, and certainly, we know that uh, things can change uh, much quicker than a year, so it's uh, it's important to stay active in that risk assessment process. Um, as we're talking about risk, what types of risk does WMATA face, and and how do you manage those risks utilizing the ERM program? So we operate, as I'm sure we can all appreciate, in an increasing complex and regulated environment, and the different types of risks and. Uh, that we face it as an organization is no different. Um, what we've been able to do is to define risk categories or groups of risks. Um, we use these to promote uh, common language that we could clearly recognize and describe potential risks as they come about. Uh, those that have an impact, of course, to the achievement of our objectives. So we associate them in these groups 
So I think one way to answer your question would be to talk about these categories and, and these groups of risks as we have them defined. Uh, these are based, of course, on Metro's internal, or they were defined based on Metro's internal and external uh, business context. And these risk categories are interrelated. Um, and, and all risks that we identify as part of our risk assessment process that I just described are typically linked to one or more of the uh, general risk categories. So one of them is our safety risk, right? We know, uh, given the nature of our organization and what we do, safety keys, uh, safety risk is always our priority. Um, so safety risks are those that arise from the failure to prevent hazards uh, that may cause harm to human equipment or environment. So those types of risks are grouped into that safety risk categories, or they also um, may be risks uh, that arising from Metro's inability to comply with uh, safety-related uh, regulations and standards. Again, those types of risks would be grouped into a safety risk category. Uh, financial management risks are those risks, uh, another group of risks that we take or, uh, we recognize in terms of our risk categories. Uh, those risks that arise from an inability to manage debt, credit, financial leverage, uh, financial resources. They also include those risks that arise from some adverse movement, uh, affecting rates and our ability to meet our financial obligations. Uh, and when we think about financial management risks, some of the risks that we consider in that space also include those risks to processes or activities that uh, are related to the planning, directing, managing, and controlling of financial resources. And you think about some of our transactional risks from a financial standpoint involving the um, initiation, approval, processing, recording, and reporting financial activities. All of those will fall into our financial management risks. Uh, we also consider legal and compliance risks. Those are risks that arise from a failure to comply with an applicable law or regulation, uh, failure to detect and report on, on non-compliance issues even with internal policies and, and internal guidelines and established rules and practices. Uh, certainly those things are part of our uh, legal and compliance risk category. Then we have reputational risk category. We have seven in total um, as I uh, run through these. Our reputational risk category are those that are arising from the negative internal and external stakeholder opinion. Uh, given what we do, there's a lot of interest in Metro. So we are uh, interested in opinions of, of, of us as an organization. So reputational risk is something that uh, we find important to, to capture in, in, in our groups of risk. Um, certainly reputation uh, risk that might impact our ability to establish new and sustain existing relationships. Uh, those will uh, fall in that category. Uh, another category that's pretty important, service delivery risk is another category. This is similar to our operational risk category, right? This is the broad range of risks that may have a direct or indirect impact on daily transit and business operations. So this is where our operational type risks will fit. Um, this could be failure to uh, deliver or um, on, on internal or transit operation uh, requirements. Those types of things that affect uh, people, process, and systems would be grouped into this risk category. Uh, another risk category we manage and track internally is our strategic risk category. Uh, these are risks that are arising from a failure to achieve strategic or tactical objectives or some sort of adverse business decision, a lack of a dire uh, strategic direction. Things that we will fall within that space would be grouped into this category. They could also be risks that can be affected by changes 
in our political environment, um, our administration changes result in, uh, in changes in our strategic priorities, for example, uh, things that may be triggered by stakeholders. I mean, a lot of things fall into this uh, strategic risk categories for us. And then our, our final one uh, is our technology uh, risk category. And this is where we group uh, risks that uh, relate to, uh, that have an impact on an unexpected losses from um, inadequate systems, breaches of information, technology, uh, security, Continu uh, business continuity related matters will sit in this category. Uh, things that impact our uh, network security, uh, things that also impact confidentiality, uh, integrity, and availability of data would also sit in this category. So this is where we would group our cybersecurity related risks, for example, um, as part of the ERM program. So we, could, we look at these categories all the time just to make sure that we're thinking through elements of risk and how they affect um, our, our, our lens of how we look at these different categories and looking for opportunities to improve them. But those are the seven we generally uh, report and measure on. Yeah, that's that. Uh, certainly, having those categories of risk will help you uh, better manage them, better understand them, and and uh, also, you know, just really um, communicate uh, the risks appropriately too uh, within the organization. Uh, does WMATA use risk appetite statements? Oh, risk appetite statements. Um, yes, I guess we can look at it um, like most organizations inherent in Metro's mission and WMATA's mission and vision is its risk appetite, right? It's types and amount of risk on a broad scale uh, that the organization is willing to accept as we pursue value, right? So guidance from our ERM program is to manage exposure or severity generally in line with targeted or expected levels where undesirable outcomes are unlikely. Um, that's generally what we manage to. Okay. Yes, that's uh, um, certainly. I think um, having having those risk appetite statements will help you understand them and help explain them as well. It seems like with a lot of the risk, you've talked about a lot of categories of risks and the risks. Uh, Liz, um, does WMATA employ technology to support the ERM program? And if so, how has that technology supported the program at WMATA? Yeah, that's definitely a good question for us. You know, the, the, the quick answer is yes, and then I'll say why here. So we, as part of our phase five of our plan, I talked about one of that, the goals of that uh, phase of the plan, uh, our implementation plan was to uh, use technology to enhance the ERM program, right? So going back to our implementation principle of integration, one of the ones I mentioned earlier, and given, as you said, right, the diverse nature of the types of risk facing a complex organization such as ours, uh, the ERM program certainly acknowledges that in order to have that holistic view and assessment of risk, it would involve uh, bringing these unique risk management elements that may be required sometimes by specific areas, some functional groups, sometimes required by law regulations, sometimes by some enterprise uh, initiatives. Uh, sometimes a unique approach may be necessary to an, uh, assess and analyze a specific type of risk. For example, thinking about our cybersecurity risks using the NIST framework to manage that. So we, we knew all of this and certainly we, we were clear that integration was necessary and integration would require a sense of what we call integrated risk management, uh, which is accomplished for us today uh, using technology. So. 
uh, integrated risk management brings together, uh, it brings visibility rather to uh, the governance practices of these multiple, uh, multiple siloed risk programs and the disciplines together. And uh, it helps uh, that we have automation and technology to support that. So the short answer is yes, and, and we certainly use technology to support the ERM program for that very reason to en en enable integration um, and we're currently on a strategic strategic implementation uh, journey uh, for with our current uh, GRC uh, tool. Very good. Thank you so much. I, I do understand why it would be important to utilize technology to help with the management of the of the risk and the categories and and uh, you know trying to trying to pull that all together uh, without some sort of technology I think becomes a a real challenge and in in addition to the regular types of uh, activities that are necessary for a successful ERM program. So thank you so much, uh, Liz. Paul, I'm going to turn it over to you for any additional questions you may have. Sure. So now I, I ask the question that everybody loves. It's all about COVID here. <laughs> so, um, so Liz, we'd love to hear, you know, obviously I know you guys face challenges uh, during the pandemic. So just curious, um, you know, was ERM able to help you manage those challenges? Well, certainly. I mean, Paul, I'm sure everybody knows this as well, discussed in the public, some of the challenges the Metro face and really other transit agencies face during the pandemic and in some way are still facing. Um, we Managing through the pandemic itself was a challenge. We had, uh, just like a lot of other organizations, we had to make some changes, right, to keep our employees safe as, as well as our writers safe. So there were some changes necessary. Uh, we had to uh, do business differently in a lot of ways. So uh, we implemented or management implemented um, engineering controls, for example, with partitioning workspaces. You know, our rear door entry uh, on buses was another thing that was done, uh, had modified schedules, reduced occupancy and team, team sizes in, in our office buildings, uh, modified work practices or accommodate change. I mean, all of these things prevent, presented some sort of challenge on their own. And then we also had workforce availability challenges and supply delays. Like we all, even on a personal level, uh, experienced some supply uh, delays with the, um, with the pandemic. And then, of course, with the at the beginning of the pandemic, how to manage projects safely uh, was a concern. We had operational impacts, and we had telework policies and travel behavior, things that certainly uh, presented a challenge for us. And then we had also uh, general concerns, like all of us were concerned about the uh, regional economic recovery. Uh, and and uh, one thing that still remains a challenge is the, the fact that revenue is uh, in ridership. Uh, is still significantly below historical levels. So these things were challenges. Uh, and then how did our ERM help uh, was the other part of your question. Well, um, in, in some cases, the ERM program kind of helped in a sense of what we would do normally. And of course, in some cases, not so normal. But I'll just talk about a few things about what we did uh, with the uh, pandemic and thinking through through that. So one of the things we, we reviewed our individual risk registers that so haven't conducted the formal risk assessment processes, whether it's uh, at least annually or as needed with, in response to change, haven't done that for some time. We have these risk registers and, and a risk profile, which is that composite uh, view of risk for the organization. We have to take a look at that 
and see if um, any aspect of that has changed or if something has changed given uh, the, the pandemic itself or similar disruption. Uh, we also wanted to see how those uh, risks were assessed, those that were similar to the uh, pandemic, uh, similar patterns. So uh, I'll explain that one of the things we considered was our risks where we had assessed them with that low probability but high impact and wanted to have a sense of how they were uh, assessed within our, our risk registers uh, just to see if there was an opportunity to take another look at that. So especially when you think about the pandemic where we have quantifiable historical data to support low probability, uh, but then we realized the effects of it anyway. Uh, so the thought was, let's take a look at that uh, in the organization to see if we have other risks um, like that. Uh, we looked at our entity level risks, for example, uh, specifically our, our top 10 risks, which are those that bubble to the top of the head of the house and just previously identified to see if there were uh, a different view of them given the pandemic. Um, uh, we found opportunities to update some of those descriptions and understand them um, in the, with the context of the pandemic uh, to see if something else had to be done in addition to that. We met with senior leadership in our IT and cybersecurity side of the house as well as um, physical security uh, team. Uh, we also met with leadership uh, with uh, safe, our safe organization as well as our health and welfare areas who also uh, took leadership with the pandemic task force to, to discuss different types of risks. Um, we were also able to take a look at the organization's um, recovery and managed reentry plans um, to take a look at that to see elements of the current risks that we had and whether or not they would impact reentry in any way. Uh, we evaluated um, some of our key health and welfare, as well as our telework policies and procedures, um, including our pandemic plan, just to see, given the changing environment, were there things that needed to uh, change or, or evolve, or did we have, did we feel like they were uh, pro um, positioned appropriately uh, to help the organization and it was an opportunity to work with management there? Uh, some of the other things that we did on the risk assurance side, uh, we redirected focus to COVID-related areas. So we conducted assessments of cleaning and dis uh, disinfecting protocols. Uh, we also had uh, procedures um, that we uh, looked at there and examined and, of course, provided a report to management. Um, as part of our ongoing risk assessments, some of the things that we did, uh, these happened, of course, as I mentioned earlier, through facilitated workshops. Uh, we continue to focus attention uh, to help our program offices, our departments and offices think about uh, new risks introduced into our environment as a result of the pandemic, as well as risks that may have come about as a result of changes in the environment or changes we implemented or doing business differently, that that also create um, some new risks as a result of a pandemic. So those are some of the things that we did. And we conducted a lot of our risk assessments virtually, um, at the you know that the 2020 timeframe 2021 uh, we also were able to with those uh, initial stay at home orders we had to do a lot of that but we were still able to effectively um, connect with our business partners and I thought that was really great and one of the things that uh, we did in in May uh, of 2020 and 2021 uh, May as some may know is um, International Internal Audit Awareness Month sponsored by the IIA. Um, and we observed that since the internal audit function also reports to me. So we were able to do like these mini videos inviting our clients and departments and offices 
to connect with us on risk matters. How can we help you during the pandemic? How can we uh, support you? Uh, we are your strategic partners. Um, so all, all together with this matter, we're here with you together. So it was really good to be able to connect with them in that way and post those internal uh, videos as part of uh, celebrating Audit Awareness Month. So I think we were able to certainly help and, and demonstrate our willingness to, to be a part of the team and, and work with management during the pandemic. Yeah, that's that's quite a lot. That's very impressive. Um, yeah, sounds like it didn't slow you down at all. <laughs> you had plenty of work to do. Um, well, I just have one last question, and we'll probably be wrapping up here. Um, maybe just ending on a, a nice positive note. You know, what are some of the next goals that you would like to achieve with uh, with your ERM program? Well, Paul, if I think about the next goals for the ERM program, I go back to those same in implementation principles that brought us here, you know, that one around continuous improvement. So built into uh, processes and practices, um, which I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but the Coastal ERM uh, framework is our framework of choice. One of the things we did um, as part of our uh, making that decision, we at one point thought, we would uh, take a look at all the different frameworks that are out there and, and, and select one or pieces of one to make up a framework, but we settled on that close up ERM framework um, to manage our risk, that's the uh, enterprise risk management, integrated risk strategy and performance. Uh, I also think about that fourth component, review and revision. So that third principle speaks about, uh, it, it really guides us to pursue continuous improvement in the ERM program, and that's as a matter of course. So that's something I always think about because no matter how well your ERM program um, is built, you know, you can be more efficient, right? So the goal is always to look for opportunities to, opportunities to improve. So one of the things that I could think about more specifically is to improve technology, uh, improve the use of data, uh, improve clarity in our factors uh, that affect risk appetite. So uh, we have that risk general risk appetite statement. One of the things that we certainly want to do is to uh, refine those even more so that they are uh, more specific uh, to some risk um, outcomes, for example, not just focused on a general um, um, objective or business objective, but more in line with a specific outcome. So groups of risk categories, for example, uh, fully implement our GRC uh, tool and solution to support and optimize the ERM um, um, process and, and support the ERM objectives. Um, and I guess one general goal is just to take a look at all of our practices and see where we can improve. I think that's a goal we'll always have as part of our ERM program. All right. Well, Liz and Bert, I really appreciate you taking the time today. I, I'm very happy we finally got you guys on the podcast. I've wanted to have the Metro on the podcast for a long time since we're DC based, wanted some local state and local coverage. So uh, Liz, I really appreciate uh, your time and coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Affirm.org is where you go. Risk chats right there. Scroll through all our past episodes. Look forward to some new episodes. As usual, if you have any suggestions, just let us know. We'll be happy to uh, put together a good program for you. And until that next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Risk Chats with a Firm. <laughs>